With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into the Lineup Logic Podcast, daily fantasy podcast, bringing you lineup construction ideas for the DFS slate upcoming this weekend. NFL Week Four starts on Thursday, of course. Um, if you didn't go back and listen to the Week Three recap, I do. I do think it's worthwhile. I do think it's worthwhile listening on that. I, I talked through all the different takeaways, who's getting volume, where things are going, how offense is breaking out, where defenses are shaking out. I think that there's detail there that you may want to check out. Uh, at the end, I also talked about how to gauge um, public ownership perceptions. Um, it, you know, in the last you know, 15, 20 minutes of the show, I talked about um, – you know, regression, progression, the public overreaction to certain things, underreaction to other things, and, and how we can kind of try to see between those cracks and in, in where people are, you know, making mistakes and and, and making correct judgments um, and, and trying to weigh all things equal. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back. It's over there at lineuplogicdfs.com. It's the process pod. Uh, it's also in your in your podcatcher there on the feed. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do subscribe on iTunes. If you're interested in the cheat sheet, ten dollars a month, lineup uh, patreon.com slash lineup logic. Get in there. Um and um yeah, I mean that's that's it. We got a lot going on, man. There's a lot of content that always comes out on the website. You know, we're starting to ramp up Tuesdays the day when everything starts to shift towards the next week. So uh we got plenty to talk about with Everything starting Thursday night in Lambeau, Chicago at Green Bay. 45 and a half point total here. Uh, currently, Green Bay sitting at uh, seven point favorites implied for 26 points to Chicago's 19. You know, we saw Chicago control pace. They continue to hit the under. Um, they are, they are just, they're going to slow down games to the best of their ability. Um, so on the Chicago side, you would like some of the pass catchers here, but we saw last week there were five total targets to pass catchers outside of the running back position. All the volume is going to, you know, Zach Miller had some decent volume, had some decent volume going in. They only saw three targets in in week in week three. Now I think it should be noted that the Pittsburgh secondary has actually been pretty effective limiting uh, on the season through three weeks they have actually been quite effective um 
you know, the Bears want to run the ball. They want to control the the clock. 24th, uh, the Green Bay, 24th in DVOA to the rush to this point, allowing eighth most points to the running back in the position in the NFL. So if Chicago can establish the run with Howard and Cohen and just continue to hammer the volume and keep Rodgers off the field, then this game will probably hit the under once again. Now, if the Bears choose to throw the ball and try to, you know, get the ball out of Mike Lennon's hands into some of their wide receivers. It could go two ways. I mean, you could suffer the fact that your lead wide receiver is Deontay Thompson, who no one has any idea who he is, um, and and Zach Miller, and and then give the ball back to to Aaron Rodgers, who I have no I have no doubt that Rodgers is going to be uh, able to you know, win this game. He's favored at home by a touchdown. We saw him do him last week. Him and Jordy, it's just a lock. You know, you feel like they there there's just no reason. And specifically the Bears uh currently thirty first DVOA to the wide receiver one. Julio with yardage production, you know, kinda had an underwhelming week, but Mike Evans with a very solid line. Antonio Brown, very solid line. No reason to think that the Green Bay pass catchers can't do the same thing and Aaron Rodgers won't be able to exploit them. I just don't think they have the back-end personnel to do, to do it. Um, and, and in, you know, they're not going to be at home. They're going to be in Lambeau, and McCarthy has an intimate understanding of who this team is. So it comes down this game to really whether or not the Bears can run the ball. If they can, uh, if they can't, then, you know, Rodgers is just going to walk up and down the field and have a three-touchdown outing and call it a day. If they can, um, then you know you could have a little bit of a closer game that 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 uh, you know hits the under like John Fox wants to do. So you know there is strategy here and and maybe going to Rogers, but I think it's also always plus a plus strategy to just fade the Thursday game. Short weeks are hard on teams. Uh, New Orleans Miami. This game is in London, so it's on that goofy early slate. Forty nine total. Um, here 26 to 23, New Orleans, um, favored by three right now. The Saints pass catchers. I mean, this is a good spot for them. Miami just gave up solid volume, you know, to Keenan Allen in week two. Uh, and then they gave up some deep routes and just massive efficiency to, to Josh McCown. You know, he only missed, he only had five incompletions. It just, so that seems to be a consistent thing that the Miami, um, secondary allows efficient performances to quarterbacks and wide receivers. There's no, they're not putting a lot of pressure. Uh, they're allowing a ton of receptions. They're currently a bottom 10 unit. Well, excuse me, in 2016, they were a bottom 10 unit in past DVOA. We remember that. So I, it doesn't really seem to be much different. They're 11th allowed and did DraftKings points to the position, um, to the quarterback. They've allowed massive completion rates, McCown, Rivers, uh, you know, just to be specific, Rivers went 31 for 39 and McCown 18 for 23. Passer ratings well above 100. So Breeze, plenty of time to target Michael Thomas. They seem to reestablish that rapport. Willie Sneed coming back. I think he's a good pickup in your season-long leagues. Um, just kind of, a, you know, hold him, see how he does as far as routes, volume, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this New Orleans offensive line, Rock solid. Um, they're really good. And the pass rush for Miami could struggle against them. So I, I think it sets up really well for Breeze and, and Michael Thomas specifically. I also think it's a good Mark Ingham spot. I mean, he has the most volume in that backfield. The narrative doesn't say that, though. The narrative continues to say that, oh, it's a timeshare, it's a target share. Mark Ingram has led, and he's had almost 20 opportunities every single game. And he leads them in yards, he leads them in touches, he leads, he leads them in everything. And it's just not... 
he just hasn't gotten into the end zone and he hasn't really put up a monster game yet. So people continue to say, well, it's not Mark Ingram, but he's putting up almost 100 yards of offense. But remember, this is Minnesota is one of the top ranked rush defenses in the league. Okay. Uh, the New England game was a real disappointment. That was one that I thought Mark Ingram would be able to do something in. Uh, and the Carolina defense is still a very good unit, albeit they got a little bit burned by Drew Brees, the pass catching, but they are a solid unit as far as um, as far as their 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 rush defense goes. Uh, Miami, you know, I don't know. They they we we're we're having a hard time projecting this team, and I think that our Ingram could take advantage of the fact that their secondary in the back end is going to need some help, and Ingram could could exploit that. So I have no problem with him. Um, Miami, on the Miami side, you know, I have zero issues with Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry. Fire him up, you know. Listen, the Carolina pass catcher suffered because of Cam Newton, but, um, you know, I, Jay has hammered these guys. 24% target share, 33% target share for both of them. Double-digit target volume almost in two games. Um Double-digit targets for Landry in both games, almost double digits last week for for Parker. So, you know, they're going to have to throw the ball to keep up with Breeze. I like both of those pass catchers here. I think Ajayi is interesting. I think you play him based on the expectation maybe in, in tournaments that people are nervous, don't think he's healthy. The one thing I am concerned about is is this Miami offensive line. I don't think they're going to grade out as a very good unit, and and they allowed a ton of pressure to Jay Culler. And if you aren't going to allow Jay Cutler a pocket to at least have some degree of success, because we know he can make mistakes and take sacks, um, that's not good. That's not good, you know. So we'll we'll learn a lot about this offensive line and and Jay and this offense with, against this poor Saints defense. We'll see if there actually any there's anything to like here about this Miami offense, or if it's just going to be a oh god. Um, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. This begins the main slate in Baltimore. 43-point game. Pittsburgh favored by three on the road. Um, It feels like a stay away, right? Very much. Baltimore has played terribly. Pittsburgh pass defense has been very good. Um, Steelers on the road. Big Ben against a good defense. You know, listen... A couple things are going to happen here. Jim Harbaugh is going to shore up this defense, and he's going to figure out how to game plan for the Steelers. That I'm 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 pretty sure of. The tight end is not going to exploit them for four touchdowns again. Uh, Jesse James, though, he does see end zone targets. Um, you know, he does see red zone targets, so he could find a cheap touchdown here. I mean, the man is six seven, and Ben Ben looks for him in the end zone, so. If you want a cheap touchdown, maybe Jesse James. Vance McDonald could play if James is limited here. You know, if we get the report that uh, Jesse James is out, I think Vance McDonald gets interesting. Um, but I think one of the things that people may overlook is that I think the running backs are actually pretty safe here. I mean, Buck Allen's got a nice snap share, good volume for the Ravens, you know, plenty of opportunities. He was kind of phased out of that game last week because they were getting beat up on. Um, but he still, you know, managed plenty of snaps in the first half. The Pittsburgh defense, very good against wide receiver. Top three unit and, uh, you know, fewest, fewest yards allowed in the last couple games. Um, but they're allowing 24 carries, seven targets, and almost 200 total yards to running backs. Dalvin Cook had a decent game. Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard had good games against them. And, um, 
you know, I think that if a, a team like Baltimore that wants to run the ball, you could get some good volume from you could get some good volume from from Javorius Allen. The question is, is how much is good volume uh, in, in this game? I don't I don't know how much because if the passing offense can't stay on the field and they can't create first downs, then this offense is going to be dead in the water. DOA. Um, I think Lev Bell, however, is is interesting. You know, the Ravens have allowed 21 carries and seven targets to the running back. That's great volume. I mean, that's Lev Bell's line. And we could see 21 carries, seven seven targets on the road here. He's averaged, um, you know, just just almost exactly that in road games, uh, but also adding a .87 TDs, according to Rotoviz Splits Tool. So his, his touchdown share goes up on the road because we know Big Ben's struggles there. So... That, I think, is interesting to me. That's the only angle I'll take on that game. Carolina-New England, 48.5 points here in Foxborough. New England favored by nine. Lesson, I tweeted this out. The New England Patriots are allowing so many fantasy points. They're also scoring the most fantasy points. They are literally number one in fantasy points allowed and number one in fantasy points scored. Uh, they're allowing a ton of production to wide receiver. Their tops, they're, I think it's six most, uh, in production to wide receiver. I think it is, it's number one to quarterback and running back. Um, you know, it's just a lot, a lot, a large volume of yardage that they are allowing. Now the Carolina offense is almost the exact opposite. They are basically worthless. Carolina defense was good through two weeks against Hoyer and McCown, but then you see them go up against Breeze that, maybe good quarterbacks are going to be able to exploit this secondary. And that was kind of the trend we saw last year. If you remember, they weren't that secondary was pretty bad. It was a target for a good part of the beginning of the year. And then they kind of, you know, shored things up a little bit, went down the stretch. So I, I think you have to consider the Carolina offense to some degree, um, only because, um, sorry, I think you have to consider the, the the New England wide receivers to some degree, but it's it's hard to project. I mean, it, the volume shifts around, and even though you say to yourself, "Well, wow, you know, hey, Sean, we saw Cooks with two touchdowns and Hogan with two touchdowns last week," yeah, that was on five total targets for both of them. I think that honestly, the one piece that's probably easiest to project is 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 probably Gronk. I mean, he's the one who continues to get double-digit targets from Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, I mean, if he's going to spread the ball around, that's fine. Then the highest concentration of fantasy production is going to come from the guy who holds the ball in every single play. So I don't mind naked Tom Brady in this situation. On the Carolina side, Cam is virtually unplayable. Um, But, you know, I mean, Deshaun Watson was able to succeed, and I was so low on him going into this game, and I thought for sure that Belichick would figure this out. I just really doesn't seem like he has. And the most fantasy points, like I said, most fantasy points allowed in the NFL. I'm really uncomfortable rejecting anyone in the Carolina offense except for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, He's it. And I would actually comfortably say that I think that the two most reliable fantasy assets from this 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 game come Tom Brady and Christian McCaffrey. I think those are my two two favorite. McCaffrey leads all all pass catchers in in Carolina on targets, receptions, yards, yards after catch, everything. He just still hasn't found the end zone. Um, so you know, uh, the only other piece that I might consider 
is is positive game script for Mike Gilsley. But the Carolina rush defense, decently solid. It's just, are they better than Houston? Are they the same as Houston? Because Gil really struggled against this Houston Houston um, this Houston front, and they just had to basically throw the ball. Um, so, you know, that's 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 it. I think it's Brady and McCaffrey, and maybe a little bit of Gillisley here to just get a cheap touchdown. There's a couple cheap touchdowns out there this week that the running back position that it might be able to find. Titans Texans forty three and a half points projected in Houston twenty one to twenty two. Tennessee favored by one and a half on the road. Listen, the Titans offense is effective. Mariota very solid, not turning the ball over. Against a decent, a decent Seattle defense last week. Now, the thing that's hard is, is you look at the box score and you go, man, Mariota's really been putting up a lot of production. Remember that the the, the touchdown to Rashard Matthews was just a complete and total broken play. Now, it's a broken play that was supported by run blocking, or excuse me, by blocking downfield. So it wasn't, I don't want to give it, I don't want to say it's too fluky. I didn't really think it was fluky as much as I think it was kind of, but it's borderline fluky. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the thing is, is the t- the thing that you really like about the Tennessee offense is their offensive line. It's a force. I mean, they're ranked second in pass protection, second in run blocking. And if Houston can be exploited, Brady proved it was in the passing game. Um, you know, and Mariota still effective even against the Seattle pass defense. I think he he is interesting here to go completely overlooked on this slate, a game that should and could stay pretty close because on the Titans side, it's the same funnel that they ran last year. When Russell Wilson exploited it last week for four touchdowns, almost 300 passing yards, um, I think more than 300 passing yards, they, and they lost. Um, you know, it, which just says a lot about the ability of the Tennessee offense to actually put up points. They're an impressive unit. You know, 15th, uh, so uh, sorry, on Tennessee, 15th most points to the running back, but the second, second most receiving points to the wide receiver. I mean, you got to love DeAndre Hopkins to continue to get volume, 40% target share against the defense that really is not doing an efficient job, uh, an effective job against wideouts and allowing touchdowns to wide receivers. Um, so I, I have no problem with Hopkins. My biggest concern about Hopkins is that Watson takes a step back, that what we saw last week from Watson is really a product of the fact that the Patriots defense is just a mess and that the Tennessee defense is not nearly as much of a mess as 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 the as the Patriots defense. And that, I think, concerns me. That's my skepticism about this. Um yeah, but I, this is one of those games that the public is going to go, hmm, I don't really know how to project it, so I'll stay away from it. Or the only guy I feel comfortable with is DeAndre Hopkins, so he's the only one I'll play. But, you know, you're overlooking guys like maybe Eric Decker or Richard Matthews who continue to get target volume. Uh, Mariota, who, you know, even though the Houston defense is good, they've given up points. They've given up plenty of points. So um, I think that there's there's some interesting – interesting. Um, and by the way, Mariota – continues to put up rushing volume like a ton of rushing volume um so there there, there's that detroit minnesota no line in this one they're waiting on bradford news but he's not gonna play he's not gonna play the reason they're not talking about it is because it's bad (laughs) it's not good and they don't want to put the pressure on brad i don't know why they just don't say we're gonna target like a, a week eight return like and just leave it there you know like 
we'll target a week eight return. And maybe it's because Bradford's people are just like, we're not really sure, you know, he's not playing. Um, uh, you know, but here's the interesting thing. I mentioned this yesterday. Whoever Xavier Rhodes guards is, n- is a no-go. And my guess is it's going to be Golden Tate. Uh, but it could be Marvin Jones. I'm not completely sure. We'll have to look at the matchups here. Historically, we should be able to see who he's guarded in the past as well. The other wide receivers in the offense, though, should be considered. I mean, we saw Marcevis Bryant do work. We saw Deshaun Jackson. So the wide receiver, too, whoever is not getting Rhodes is going to be able to exploit this. And I think that there is production to be had against this Minnesota secondary. They are currently second allowed in uh, wide receiver yards, or excuse me, receiving yards. So there's production to be had. And if, um, you know, Detroit... Detroit has has been a good offense, and they're not an incompetent offense. So, you know, you look at maybe a Marvin Jones, you look possibly at Kenny Galladay. He's just so damn hard to to wrap your head around. Um, I'm not touching Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick in this one. Uh, Minnesota backs uh, running rush defense has been excellent. They have not allowed a lot of production to running backs uh, at all. So Detroit, however, allowing solid success at the running back position, specifically last week, to Devonta Freeman, to the Atlanta offense in general. Um, So I think you could look at Dalvin Cook here. You know, they've allowed 80 yards per game and seven receptions for 74 yards to the running back position. That's, I mean, you're telling, and Dalvin Cook has shown that he's going to do both. He's going to catch balls. He's going to, he's going to rush the ball as well. So I like Dalvin Cook in a positive game script here, possibly to, uh, you know, try and uh, try and, and and just continue to get volume. I mean, twenty five opportunities for Dalvin Cook seems like a really, really, really good spot to be in against this Detroit defense, um, whose secondary has been decent, pretty solid. Um, but you know, still, I don't think that they are a top. I don't think on the year that I don't think they'll finish the year in top ten in DVOA is what I'll say. How's that? not a very strong take, but I don't think that they're an elite defense. I think they're an average defense. Bills Falcons, 48 points projected for this one. Atlanta full eight-point favorites at home. Makes a lot of sense. The Bills defense, solid. I mean, the Bills are 3-0. The and oh. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, not allowing a ton of production, but the Atlanta offense is just a buzzsaw. I mean, they are also 3-0. and oh. Um, so, you know, top five in DVOA, both to the pass and the rush, um, or excuse me, Bills, this is the Bills, top five in DVOA to pass and the rush, you know, they've been excellent against the rush specifically shutting down CJ Anderson, only 61 yards per game allowed middle of the road in production to the wide receiver. And I think that seeing a quarterback, the quality, a quarterback wide receiver tandem, I mean, they saw, they were close to seeing a high quality tandem in Simeon and uh, you know, Thomas Sanders. But I think when they see Matt Ryan, I think that they're going to have, they're going to have, they're going to have some struggles. They're going to have some struggles. Matt Ryan at home, we know um, that's Atlanta offense is a well-oiled machine. I do think though, however, you know, that maybe the narrative of like, well, Bill's defense is pretty good. You know, I think people will probably lean towards the Tyrod LaShawn McCoy side of this. And I'm fine with the Tyrod LaShawn McCoy side, but let's not let's not sleep on Devonta Freeman in positive game script. He just has basically scored a touchdown in every single game. He's averaging like 100 scrimmage yards for every single game. He's clearly the lead back in there. 
He's been wildly effective. You know, I mean, I, I just don't think you can sleep on him possibly getting you, you know, 22, 22 total touches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And I think people do. They continue to sleep on Devonta Freeman. But I also think that LaShawn McCoy is in an interesting spot here. We know that they allow production to pass-catching running backs. LaShawn McCoy on a fast track in Atlanta. They're going to need to score points. They won't be able to uh, you know, pound the rock with um, Big Mike Tolbert. So I think it's an interesting spot for LaShawn McCoy as well as Charles Clay. I mean, this is a Charles Clay sighting, no doubt. Atlanta allowing production to the tight end. Now, Ebron, we didn't see it. But I think that that's more of a a, a factor of, I mean, you're talking about in the Detroit wide receiving game, you're talking about Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, TJ Jones, Kenny Galladay, uh, Theo Riddick, and Eric Ebron, six possible pass catchers on the field at once. You know, obviously they're not going to run that all, run all of them, but in situations with Theo and Ebron and two or three, you know, they're running a three wide receiver set. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> you know, the Bills don't, Bills aren't going to run that because it's, it's what, it's Jordan Matthews and, um, Zay Jones. You know, Jordan Matthews had a touchdown last week and like four targets, but, I'm not going to go there until I see him start to get real target volume. And Clay, we know, is the one that Tyrod leans on. Tyrod is an interesting spot. He's cheap, he's cheap, he's cheap, and I have no problem with him. Um, I just, I worry, I I don't know, I worry about a guy who doesn't necessarily have a lot of passing volume. Um, you know, it is going to be negative game script, though, on the road against a defense that can give up points. Uh, Los Angeles, Dallas. But the other thing is, is listen, they give up points. Who they give up points to? Matt Stafford and um, Aaron Rodgers in the last two weeks. Two, two of the best quarterbacks, two franchise quarterbacks. You know, this is Tyra. This could be a letdown spot for Tyrod Taylor, no doubt about it. Okay, let's be clear. Like they don't have a lot of wide receivers that can put pressure on it, uh, and they're not at home. You know, they're going to be in enemy territory. So I just they struggled massively in that Carolina game. Oh, they, they, what am I talking about? They're three now. They lost to Carolina. They struggled massively on the road in that Carolina game. So, um, L.A. Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott log out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's Zeke week. It's a Zeke week, man. This team has allowed the most. Second most rushing yards to the position in the NFL, 133 yards per game, multiple touchdowns to the position. We saw Washington hammer the rush against them. We saw Carlos Hyde hammer the rush against them. Uh, Five receptions for 40 yards on average as well. Zeke is a home favorite. It's all there. Dak and Zeke are in a great spot. I have no problem with Dez. The volume is clear. He's been insane Matchup proof against Tlaib, he had the TD. Against Patterson last night, he had the TD. That TD last night was just, this man is a specimen. We forget how, he's been injured so much that we forget how dominant he can be. I mean, he is the one of the, like, the biggest, strongest, fastest wide receivers in the league. And he's getting such serious volume. So, um, I like Dez a lot, of course. I think he'll probably maybe a little, you know, people will probably be a little bit scared of like the whole Trumaine Johnson thing. But like, listen, if he's going to score a touchdown and gets, get loose, score a touchdown against, against Patrick Patterson and Aqib Tlaib, he can get loose and score a touchdown on Tremaine Johnson. Okay. 
The problem is, is that they're going to be able to run the ball down their throat. This is going to be an Ezekiel Elliott 30 touch, 30 touch, two touchdown game in my mind. So Zeke is one of my favorite plays on the week. And I love Dak when he's a home favorite and he's able to. I mean, the man is just too good. Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You watch that game last night. He just, he, you know, not a lot of mistakes, takes the opportunities that he, he, he can and, and, you know, takes his chances when he can. It just, he's, he's a really good quarterback. He's really fun. To, it's really easy to root for too. I just love rooting for the kid. Um, seven, six at home when they're going to run the ball, positive game script. That's a nice solid floor. It feels like for Dak attack. Of course, the nice thing is, is, you know, you saw the rushing touchdown last night. That's always in the cards for him. You know, 20, 30 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. All of a sudden, boom. That's an eight point eight eight points right there that, that uh, you, you could get. Um, as for Goff and Gurley, you got to think about Goff and possibly Watkins' contrarian plays here. Um you know, if they're going to be able to, if he's going to go after the concussion, we haven't seen any practice reports or anything from LA, but they did have the, sh- the long week. So that's good for Watkins possible as a go. You know, Dallas has allowed production to the wide receiver one. I mean, we saw it in Denver. We saw massive production to the wide receiver in Denver. We saw it again in Arizona. Larry went off for 13, 100 plus in a touchdown. Um, you know, so wide receiver ones are going to succeed against this team. If not, you know, Robert Woods maybe is a cheap, cheap volume upside guy. I don't know. I don't know. That's about as far as I'll go. I don't know that I'm going to go with with Gurley here. I think the clock killing ability might might hurt his volume. I don't think you're going to see the same volume that you saw from San Francisco. Bengals Browns. Oof. Yikes. Uh, the battle of the battle of misery. In the state of Ohio, 40-point total in this one, 21-18, Cincinnati favored by three. Uh, it's A.J. Green chalk day, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine. You know, as price is, is up, 8K on FanDuel, 8-6 on DK. It's definitely tougher on DraftKings, especially when you look at, like, Odell Beckham right there as well against the Bucs. Um, but I think that's, I think that's it. The Cincinnati defense is good. They're good. They're in play. Forty six hundred for them on FanDuel, uh, and I think they're relatively affordable on DK. I don't have their price up, but the Cleveland rushing defense has been meh, average. They shut down Frank Gore last week, but I think that's more of an indie indie problem than anything. So if you want to target Joe Mixon or on the early side and say, okay, it's Joe Mixon's time. Uh, this would be the spot to do it. I understand that logic, you know, before his price jumps and people are on him, uh, you know, like hotcakes, this would be the spot to do it. But the Browns rushing defense is not, I don't think they're a below average unit this year. I think that they are strongly average unit, but we did see, we did see the Ravens, the Ravens back succeed against them. So if Cincinnati wants to give volume to Mixon, I think he could be successful. I mean, if... Here's what I'll say. If I know Mixon is going to get over 20 opportunities, 22 opportunities. If I know Mixon is going to get 22 opportunities, I'll play him. Yep, I would. Um, the question is, is, you know, he only had 17 last week, um, and they're still using Geo and, and, and Jeremy Hill to some degree. But I think, you know, if you see Bill Lazor just say, we're going to commit to Joe Mixon, he's our guy, and Jeremy Hill loses those eight carries that he had, eight fucking carries for Jeremy Hill. Uh, it's kill. I mean, it's just that's that's what kills you. That's the difference between, like, 
lock and load high upside volume to, huh? Is he going to get the goal line work? Is he going to get the third down work? Or are they going to give it to G? You know, like that's the hard part. Uh, Jags, Jets, this is equally depressing. Uh, 39 points lower uh, total in uh, in New York. 21-17, Jags favored by four on the road. Well, it's, it's good to be a Jags fan right now. You're favored on the road against the Jets, baby. This one's going to be ugly. But listen, there's going to be some fantasy value here. I think for me, it kind of starts and almost ends... <laughs> I'll put a soft ending on it with Leo Fournette. I mean, positive game script. I think you saw them run the ball against Baltimore. It's a much better rush defense than the Jets. The Jets themselves really showed a lot, but I I think that's an indictment. I mean, I'm going to say this about Miami. I think it's an indictment of their offensive line. Like, I think this offensive line is going to grade out very poorly when we start to get a larger sample size. Um, you know, and the Chargers' rush defense is proving to be pretty bad. They're proving to be a pretty bad rush defense, actually. They're allowing the most yards in the NFL per game, on a per-game basis, the Chargers are. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this thing stays relatively close, and you could see that serious volume that Leonard Fournette got in Week 1, uh, you know, t- north of 25 touches uh, if they have positive game scrap, game script. You know, I... um. The Jacksonville offensive line is good. They're above top 10 unit. They've been productive against two decent defenses, Houston, Baltimore, um, you know, on the road in both of those. And they're on the road here. So I don't really think that docks them for me against this Jets defense. You know, how much of their performance was a symptom of the Miami offensive line or was it Jay or was it the blitz scheme? I'm not really sure. So Marquise Lee is tempting. He's the only other real fantasy asset that I'm going to consider here. Solid value option, but listen, if they're in positive game script, they're not going to throw the ball. (laughs) They don't do it. (laughs) They don't do it. They don't want to throw the ball. He's got 23 total targets through three games. You may say to yourself, that's pretty good, Sean. Seven, eight targets against seven plus targets a game. He's only caught 11 of them. Hashtag Bortles. Okay? It's still Blake. There's not a lot of volume and efficiency there, so... I don't know. I mean, and Alan Hearns is a better catch rate than than Marquise Lee, but I don't don't force yourself into it. Don't force yourself into a, a you know a, a difficult play in in cash games. You know, for value seeking for one of those guys, you, you don't don't trust Blake Bortles. There's no reason to do it. Don't don't tell, don't ruin your Sunday by rostering a Jaguars wide receiver. Giants Bucks forty three points in Tampa Bay twenty to twenty three. Tampa Bay favored by home. This is just. Basically, just the home field discount because I think that this game could easily go over here and Tampa Bay could be in trouble. This secondary on Sunday, man, they got roasted. Obviously, we know by Stefan Diggs. I don't have to tell you that. The Giants pass catchers are in a really good spot. They can't run the ball. The Tampa Bay does not allow any efficiency to the running back or effectiveness to the running back. They've been good against the run. Well, Dalvin Cook had a day. That's not true. Dalvin Cook had a day, but in week one, when they committed to stopping Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, they did it. So I, and this team can't run the football. So you add those two things together, it sets up as a pass, a very heavy pass script for the Giants. Um, OBJ, I mean, he's an elite spot. You're going to hear it all week. 
if you if you want to, you know, if Stephen Diggs can do it, Odell can do it. Um, he he's going to be able to exploit it. You know, he's priced up like he's 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 back to where he's supposed to be in that top elite tier of wide receivers. So um, <clears throat> I think you could go down to a Sterling Shepard or Brandon Marshall, both with double digit targets last week in a negative game script against Philadelphia. I mean, they threw the ball 47 times. Um, so that do they have to do that again against the Bucks? I don't know if they do, but they're getting good production. Sterling Shepard's leading the team in receiving yards. Obviously, no week one Odell Beckham. That should shift back to normal. But Sterling Shepard is getting volume, like cheap volume for Sterling Shepard, I think is interesting. And Brandon Marshall, um, he's still Brandon Marshall. He's still one of the biggest dudes out there. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised to see a cheap Brandon Marshall touchdown. It's, that's not, that would not blow me away to see that Brandon Marshall has a cheap touchdown if they try to key on Odell in the red zone. The Bucks passing offense, I don't know. You know, I mean, Carson Wentz was really, really limited against against this 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 um, you know this secondary, which is as Jenkins back. Stafford was limited against them. Tate was limited against them. Jeffrey was limited. Like it just wasn't. There wasn't a lot there. So it's hard for me to like Mike Evans, but I do think Mike Evans is going to have to get involved and stay involved if the Bucks even want to keep in this game. The one thing that is possible that we could look at is is Jaquiz Rogers. Cheap running back volume against a rush defense that is allowing 130 yards per game. They allowed a lot of volume to Amir Abdullah. They allowed 193 yards last week to Philadelphia, who to that point basically had said, we're not going to be able to run the ball this year. And then all of a sudden they ran the ball almost 30 times at home and put up 200 yards through with across three different running backs. Yikes. Um, you know, the Bucks have been up against it with rush defenses. They, the Bears and the Vikings are both decent units. Now they get a really uh, a unit that seems to have some issues. So Jaquiz Rogers could be the way that the Bucks stay in this game. Now he's not explosive. At all, by any means. It's not explosive at all, but I think he will get volume. I think he's going to continue to get touches. He led them in touches last week, so interesting. Um, you know, they. <laughs> I wrote this stat down. Giants have allowed LeGarrette Blunt six yards per carry. Hey, LeGarrette Blunt, Jaquiz Rogers, I put him on a similar level as far as just general <laughs> how dynamic they are <laughs> as running backs. Um, so I think Jaquiz is a sneaky value. Uh, Philadelphia going out to L.A. where there will be a third week of record low attendance for the Chargers who are looking back at San Diego and saying, take us back, which makes total sense. Go back to San Diego. You don't need to be in L.A. Stupid. Uh, 47, to- <laughs> 47 total points here. 23 to 24 Chargers only favored by one because the Chargers have one of the most depressing starts to the season that there is. Listen, it wouldn't be on brand, though, if I didn't talk about Keenan Allen and his unbelievably reliable volume. You got to go with him and Terrell here. This Philadelphia pass defense is not good. Um, And once we figure out who Jalen Mills is going to be on, it could be Travis Benjamin. um, Then you got to you got to consider him. You got to consider him and you got to consider Keenan Allen too, because he's just getting so much volume. So definitely interested in the chargers pass catchers. No problem with them. Um, then the chargers on the opposite side, allowing a ton of production to the running back, you know, 
ton of production. It's a real thing. So you're going to see easy volume for Blunt and Smallwood. Um, Blunt is the cheap TD, one of the cheap TDs out there. Um, I think he... He's been the goal line guy. He's seen goal line work in a couple of situations. They have no problem smashing it in there with them. I don't think they're going to have a problem moving the ball on the Chargers. Um, you know, no Jason Verrett. The rush defense has been bad, giving up 133, like a league high yardage per game. So, I, you know, I have no problem with Blunt or Smallwood. Smallwood. The other guy is Ertz. You know, he leads them in targets and, and, and the Chargers have allowed a lot of production to the tight end until Travis Kelsey entered, and then they shut Travis Kelsey down. So I don't really understand. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to forget that, you know, Ertz is like leads all tight ends in, in production and that the Chargers allowed massive production through weeks one and two. So I think you continue to go to Ertz, but he's priced up. It's a little bit chasey. I think that Philadelphia can run the ball if they want to here. 49ers, Cardinals. <sighs> This game is is tough. <laughs> There's going to be points scored here. I just don't it's just really hard to see who. I mean, I think you just honestly the Arizona defense is tried really hard to hold that game in check for the offense. The offense couldn't just couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. Um they're just ineffective. Um you just follow the volume. I think that that's what you have to do. You have to expect that you have two defenses that are you know, the Niners defense, obviously a little bit worse than the Cardinals defense. Cardinals defense on paper is good, but they just have been getting, I mean, they, they've, they haven't been playing that well. You know, they lose, they lose to the, the Lions in week one, give up a ton of points, four total receiving touchdowns. Last night, they lose to, you know, the Cowboys. Um, it just, it's not, I don't know if it's an elite unit. I think losing Calais Campbell is a big deal for them. It's it feels feels like feels bad for Cardinals fans. Um, so Larry is the one you know you want on the Cardinals side against the San Francisco offense. That makes a lot of sense to me. I have no problem with that. On the Niners side, if you want to follow the volume, it's Hyde. Um, it, it's just hard to think he's going to be rock solid. This defense still has pieces and. You know, they kept Zeke in in relative check, except for a couple big runs. You know, in 80, he had only 80 yards and in, in, in the one touchdown. They just, and Carlos Hyde is not Zeke. I mean, he is from per, perhaps from an opportunity standpoint, but not from a explosiveness standpoint. So it's a weird game, weird game. Oakland-Denver, this is a great game. I, I really like this one. 46 and a half points here. Um, <clears throat> uh, Denver favored by three at home. It's hard to like the Oakland offense. I got to be honest with you. If the, what the stinker that they put up against the Washington defense. Now the Washington defense is good, and we'll talk about them. They're on the Monday night slate. Um, but we've seen Cooper struggles. Crabtree should be held in check by uh, Chris. Uh, what's his name? The other corner that's not a keep to lead, who's really good. Um, <sighs> They're they're giving up production like the Denver. They've they've had some some shootouts. You know we saw um, them shut down Zeke, but give up production to Dak and Dez. Uh, and then in Buffalo, we saw them. You know I can think. Well, Buffalo was really like on the back of some Simeon mistakes that they were able to capitalize. So I, I think the side of this that you really have to like is the Denver pass catchers. Um, you know the Oakland secondary. 
didn't exactly get burned in the way that we were hoping for um, by Kirk um, and 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 Pryor and all of them. But we've seen an extremely good rapport with Sanders and and Thomas. The target volume is there for them. So I think you could easily go to either Sanders or Thomas here. I'm probably going to give the edge to Sanders just because he's seen a ton of volume and and even more red zone work. I think Simeon just finds him uh, more easily. So I I, I like Sanders in this spot for sure. Um, Do I want to go with C.J. Anderson? (sighs) Not really, no. I mean, after that target, that that, that market share with Jamal Charles, you kind of have to – wait and see you have to see I mean you can't you can't pay for CJ Anderson in this situation and just expect him to get rock solid 20 20 plus opportunities it's just it's not a guarantee um all right Sunday night game big controversy here DK doesn't have this on the main slate which is pretty dumb and kind of greedy they're just trying to get more action on the primetime slate um so Thanks, DraftKings. Everyone sees through exactly what you're doing, uh, and they're not happy about it. <laughs> this Indy Seattle game is not on the main slate for DraftKings, but it is on the main slate for FanDuel. Um, you know, and what do they do? They pick a really juicy game where Seattle's favored by 13 at home, and they take it off the slate. Like, come on, like, give me a break. Maybe people will want to play because it's a sweet game. Oh, good idea. They'll never know what we're doing. They know what you're doing. <laughs> um, we know. We know, guys. Um, it's Chris Carson chalk day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a decent reason. You got to think he's going to get volume. He found the end zone last week. He got a you know, pass catch. Like, they're going to want to feed the ball to him. Positive game script. And his defense is bad. I think Russell Wilson, though, probably the easiest to project here, to be honest. Uh, he's going to be popular, too. Big week in Tennessee. We know the Indies' defense is not great. They will get Vontae Davis back, which does temper my expectations just a little bit. I mean, what's really important here is what what's Doug Baldwin's status? Like, I think if Doug Baldwin is there, it's all systems go. Russell Wilson, no problem. But that groin injury is relatively serious. I don't think they're going to play him, especially in a positive game script at home. I think they're going to say, just rest, get healthy, you know. And that basically puts... Um, Jimmy Graham front and center, and he, you know, double digit targets last week, uh, three end zone targets too. I mean, that's huge. So, Jimmy Graham, it, we got to like him a lot uh, against this indie defense. Uh, you know, he's not going to get Vontae Davis. Vontae Davis will probably be matched up on the outside on Tyler Lockett. So, maybe Paul Richardson as well. Um, yeah, so I think that that's, that's the move. The indie defense, um, you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know necessarily how, or excuse me, the Indianapolis offense. I don't know how you could even think about it. But the one thing that's really interesting to me is is that their rush defense has been bad. Uh, they're allowing a ton of yardage to the running back. You know, obviously one big play to Demarco Murray. Um, so you know, I think uh, I think that that's definitely. Definitely part part of what um what we could see here um, is is Frank Gore maybe getting decent volume. I just I don't think there's any reason to force it. Monday night game Washington Kansas City forty nine total twenty one to twenty eight Kansas City is minus eight favorite. Kansas City offense is really pretty serious, but the Washington defense has really been 
uh, a lot better than people people expected. I mean, they're top three right now in uh, fewest points allowed to the wide receiver and the running back. Very, very solid so far uh, through through week three. So, you know, I think this game could be a little bit lower scoring, a little bit closer than, than people would want. Um, Hunt will get reliable volume. If Rob Kelly plays again, he should get reliable volume. I don't know that I'm going to trace Chris Thompson. You know, you saw all those yards after the catch. I think that Kansas City probably has a little bit, uh, you know, has 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 that on film and says, let's not sleep on Chris Thompson. Let's spy him and let's make sure we don't let him do what he did uh, last week. Um, and, you know, and 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 I think Cousins will probably get more pressure than than he did. There's a, just a better uh, a better uh, <clears throat> pass rush in Kansas City. So. I think my favorite fantasy target is really is Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, we went after Jared Cook last week. That continues to be a spot that allows relatively decent production to the Washington defense here. So I think Kelsey is in an interesting spot after a bad week last week. He could have a nice bounce back there. So, um, yeah, that's it, guys. That's that's kind of the first look. One thing I want to encourage you to do. Um, you're looking this week, you know, as you begin the week, write down some projections, write down some ideas of what you think is going to happen and, um, and keep those in your mind. Sometimes as the week goes along, we talk ourselves into things that we initially thought weren't, uh, were good ideas. Uh, Excuse me. We talk ourselves into things (laughs) that, um, our, our mind changes over the course of the week is what I'm trying to say. And you forget some of the good ideas that you had beginning of the week because you're, consistently doing research and you're seeing new content and then you know Friday your ideas are different than Tuesday so make sure you keep track of what you're thinking now and what you like and what you're seeing uh so that you don't lose that thread by the time lineups come around on Sunday all right man uh well hey good luck I'll, t- I'll talk to you guys tomorrow for the player breakdown